Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we recap the offseason so far with Charles Goldman, and we check in with Talon Graff as he shares his thoughts on what's going on with the Chiefs in our roundtable discussion. I'm here with Charles Goldman, the managing editor of the Chiefs Wire. I have to start with asking, how would you rate the Chiefs draft choices this year? I'm definitely a fan of the Chiefs draft class. Um, I know there's there's mixed opinions on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, drafting a running back in the first round, all of that. Um, but, but I feel like he adds just such another dimension that, that the Chiefs were really lacking on offense this last year. I know Damian Williams. He's 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 okay in the in the passing game, um, but man, when you look at what what Clyde edwards Hilaire did last year and just how good he is at getting open in the passing game by just just juking a linebacker out of his shoes, um, and, and just his his quickness in short areas to get open. Um, that that right there. I mean we didn't have that type of thing last year. And I think it just adds something when you look at all the other playmakers that the chiefs have that, that maybe they were missing that, that last year that they haven't had um, since, you know, 2018 Kareem hunt, he kind of had that same type of ability to, to work out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, And with where this team is going and where the league is going, throwing the football a whole lot more, it's almost more important to have a guy uh, at the running back position who's who's better in that regard um so so that pick is has grown on me a lot even the the pick that i was most skeptical about the linebacker out of mississippi state I, uh, willie gay jr i gave him I, I mean i gave that pick the poor instant reaction grades um after it happened um i mean i saw the potential in the pick but i was really skeptical because he he had limited playing time throughout his career he didn't start many games um it felt like they were just going on that that pure athleticism and and upside and that kind of scares me sometimes uh because i like the i like the guys who are the full uh you know full shebang show the athleticism who have the production who have the tape um and I wasn't really seeing it at first with Willie Gay, but then I really kind of focused on on the things that he did, um, and some of the good things he did towards kind of the end of his career there at Mississippi State, um, the ball production that he had in like the last half do- dozen games, and not just passes defended or interceptions, but forcing fumbles, uh, recovering fumbles. He was always around the football, and he, he you could really see that explosion in his game kind of hit the next level. So uh, I'm anxious to see kind of what, what he looks like. Uh, I'm anxious to see what what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks like. And I'm anxious to kind of see where all the other guys fit in right now. But I'm feeling pretty good about this draft class. I don't know if it'll quite live up to um, how, how great the, the first two picks were last year for the Chiefs and how, how easily they were able to come in and kind of um, make their mark. But I, I think these are going to be... Uh, some solid contributors all the way throughout the draft, even even down to the last pick there with Bo, Bo Peak Keys. So I think these guys are going to have an opportunity and a chance to, to come in, maybe not all of them this season, but within the next two seasons and play some big-time snaps for Kansas City. Do you believe the Chiefs will work out a new contract with Chris Jones? Right now, uh, it's looking like 
it, it's not it's not looking like they will. I, I I can't say for certain. I mean, you look at the recent reports out of uh, ESPN, out of NFL Network. They're saying Jones and, and Kansas City aren't close on a contract. They're saying that they haven't talked about an extension since the franchise tag. Um, but I think it's important to kind of t- take a step back and note that they still have like a, a good amount of time. It, it, it's not even to the point where they have less than a month to kind of get to the table and negotiate. And um, so, so deadlines can can spur action. That's what they say about the NFL. So I think that we're going to see and hear a little bit more as we get closer to that deadline about what's going on between Jones and Kansas City. I mean, the Chiefs, they, they've always been pretty straightforward with these types of contract negotiations. They've said every step of the way that, that they want to keep Jones. They've said they've acknowledged that it's going to be tough to do it, but they they want to make it happen, and I still think that's the case. I, I just think that a few more things need to kind of come into place first for them to achieve that goal. Obviously, uh, signing rookie rookie class is going to be important. I expect that to happen kind of in the next couple of weeks here. Um, and then extending Patrick Mahomes, that seems like a priority and something that they're ramping up interest in it um, kind of kind of by the day. So we'll see how that all plays out. Um, and and I, I think at the end of the day, um, they'll come to some sort of amicable solution that at least ensures that Jones will be playing this year and won't be holding out. Um, and... and if it's not a long-term deal, it's not a long-term deal. But they're going to do their best to get it done. Okay, and what amount of money will realistically keep Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City long-term? I know that Mahomes is going to want to be paid like the best quarterback in the NFL because that's what he is. Um, what what that'll look like, your, your guess is as good as mine here. Um, Sam Mellinger, the Kansas City Star, he said that negotiations are underway at a recent report. Um, And in that report, he kind of questioned whether Mahomes might be one of the first players to receive like a set percentage of the salary cap in in his contract. You know, not not you know, not tied to a a number, a a million, you know, X million amount, but really a percentage of the cap. So that each year when it increases, uh, you know, he'd get more, presumably. Um, that's an interesting thing that I haven't heard floated before. It'd certainly be unprecedented. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know how realistic that is. Something that has me optimistic about the whole situation, though, um, and that the contract won't, like, break this team and will allow them some flexibility in the future um, it's something that Mahomes' agent actually said shortly after the Super Bowl. Um, and, and I'm paraphrasing this here, but um, he said that the quarterback's legacy is something that's determined by his ability to take his team to and, and win Super Bowls. He didn't say that the quarterback's legacy is, is determined by his ability to land the biggest contract or anything like that. Um, and I, I truly just have this feeling that that for Mahomes, he he wants to be considered to be one of the greats to play this game. Um, because really, I mean, what what else is left left for him? I mean, he's already won league MVP and Super Bowl MVP in his first two seasons. He's crushing, uh, you know, the, all the pace records um, and, and crushing NFL Chiefs franchise records. 
he's he's done something um, in Kansas City that was long thought impossible in ending the Super Bowl drought. Uh, you know, bringing the Lamar Hunt Trophy home, uh, bringing a Lombardi Trophy to Kansas City. And, and, you know, really now the only thing left is for him to keep going and, and push the limits of what greatness looks like in the NFL. And I think that he's really motivated and determined to do that. And he understands that, that in part, how he reacts to his contract situation. Well, I mean, that's going to determine quite a bit about the future of this team. Um, and if he's if he allows the team flexibility to be able to either rework his contract uh, down the line or, or do different things with it to free up cap space so that he, they can kind of keep these pieces around him that are necessary for the team to sustain success, I mean, he could be looking at, at truly becoming the greatest quarterback of all time. So when you're asking about Patrick Mahomes' contract, you're, you're also asking, I guess, in sorts, what type of legacy he wants to have in the NFL. Um, so it's a really unique situation. I, I think we're going to know sooner rather than later the amount of money that will realistically take to, to keep him here long term. So the Chiefs parted ways with punter Dustin Colquitt this offseason. What did he mean to the franchise, in your opinion? Dustin Colquitt meant everything to this team he leaves the the franchise as the best punter in kansas city chiefs history and, and it's not hyperbole when i say that um he is beloved by his teammates by the coaching staff and uh even by by the fans of course i mean they they loved him he was just quite the character i mean you look at what he did at, at training camp um you know even the, the last couple of years he he brought a hat for fans and their kids and everyone out there to sign it wasn't it wasn't him uh, giving out his signature though of course he did but he had this hat and he would have the fans sign it so he'd sign something for them they'd sign something for him i mean it's just a cool gesture um to show the fans that they meant so much to him that that he wanted to to make this memory and have their signature himself um it, it made them feel it made them feel special and, you know, that, that was just one of the many unique things about him. I mean, you look at the things that, that he did within the community, um, working with Team Smile um, and, and all of that. It, it just um, is really, really incredible work that he did. And then even, you know, you look at some of the small stuff that, that's going to be missed. You looked at the, the practical jokes that he made. He was known as a real jokester in the locker room. In fact, I love the story about... Um, one year, um, he he, uh, Chiefs player. I can't remember which which one it was, but he was a hunter, and he had showed Colquitt a picture of a mountain lion that he had found out when he was hunting, and it looked kind of like, oh hey, this is like grassy area. He could pass this off as, as this being at the team's practice facility. So Colquitt took took the photo and started sending it around to people and saying look what i saw out at the practice facility you know uh, and everybody was was scared they were freaked out they actually thought there was a mountain lion out at the practice facility i just love that story i mean there's, there's no one uh who, who can come in and have that that type of um rep repertoire that type of impact in the locker room um you're just not going to be able to to replace him 
on the field and and off the field um it, it's going to be tough on on the new punters that they brought in um because they're going to be looked at to kind of replace replace that guy and, and i don't think that it's going to be uh something that can be done they're going to have to find things that make themselves unique and i think uh, you know both of them have kind of understood that but i i think that uh that Kansas City is going to miss Dustin Colquitt, and um, you know I think they're very thankful for the the time that they had with uh, such a, a great player and a great person. Do you believe the virtual off season will affect the team's preparations for the new season? To an extent, I think that the virtual off season program will have an undeniable impact on how prepared all teams are for the twenty twenty season. Um, Mitchell Schwartz actually recently, he, he kind of explained it best. Um, and again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this here, but he, he said that some players really need to kind of walk through, um, plays and all the installs and practice to be able to learn it because everyone learns things differently. And while some players can kind of see the play in the playbook and, and just like know it like that, others need to run through it a few times in order to get it all down. And with how complex Andy Reid's offense is, a lot of these plays, um, you know, timing and, um, and and cadence and things, they, they come into play. And it's important to, to be able to run through those things. So, I mean, we don't really know when and how practice is going to get started for teams yet. We know maybe towards the end of the month they're hoping to get some players and people back into facilities in some capacity but that's just a big maybe at this point. We don't have anything solid on that. Um, so we don't really know exactly how behind they are. I mean, we know what they've missed so far. They've missed OTAs. They've missed the mini camps for the rookies. They've missed some some uh, non-mandatory stuff for the veterans. Um, but, you know, eventually they're going to start missing some of the meaningful stuff if they don't get out there um, for, for tra- when training camp's supposed to be and whatnot. Um, so we're just going to have to see how that progresses. I think how it's going to result early on, I mean, the conditioning is concerned. You're probably going to see more injuries because of that. Um, I I think you're probably going to see a lot more penalty flags early in the season as guys are kind of scrambling to learn and, and get their act together. And I think just all around from, um, all the teams in the league, I think you're going to see a lot more vanilla stuff early on in the season on offense and on defense. Um, and more of the advanced com- concepts will kind of come as the season goes and they catch guys up. But it, right now it seems like, I mean, it, it's going to be really tough to, to be as prepared as they are in a regular normal off season. Um, but, but I do think that, they're going to do the best they possibly can. Uh, and that Kansas City, I mean, you're, you're lucky that, that they're returning all these players uh, from the Super Bowl team and that a lot of those guys are starters. And, and even some of the guys that are depth players are also returning. Um, and I think the guys they brought in, they're motivated, they're ready, they're willing to learn, but uh, they, they need to get on the field. I think that's going to be the most important thing moving forward is finding a way to get them on the practice field in some capacity and learning that away. And lastly, Charles, any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? 
Yeah, we've got um, some good stuff uh, on on Chiefs Wire right now. We've had obviously um, some stuff covering uh, what's going on in the country right now. The uh, death of George Floyd, and the protests. Um, each week, we're debuting a new article um, from a series um, of of interviews with uh, with Hall of Fame kicker Morton Anderson, who played with the Kansas City Chiefs for two seasons. Um, he had some really in- incredible insight into a lot of different aspects um, of the NFL and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm really excited to, to share some more of that with you guys moving forward. Um, our undrafted free agent spotlight series uh, has began. We're releasing anywhere from two to three spotlights on some of our undrafted free agents um, every week. And uh, really, I'm trying to focus on a lot of the guys that maybe you don't know so much about. I'm trying to provide, I guess, a, an outlook or um, an idea of, of what they bring to the table in Kansas City and how um, really they, they fit into the grand scheme of things. Because you got to remember that the Kansas City Chiefs are one of the teams in the NFL that, that really they, they put a strong focus and... Um, a lot of, um, I, I don't want to say pressure. I don't, I'm not really sure what the word I'm looking for here is, but they 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 let let these guys, these undrafted free agents, come in and compete, and they they let them have it. You know, they they let them see and and um, you know, see what the NFL is all about, and they give them an opportunity. And you know, they might not make the team with the Chiefs because this is a really competitive football team, but if they do make the team, you know, that shows you the type of player they are, the type of willpower they have to be able to kind of fight through the adversity of what this offseason has been. Um, so it'll be unique to see. I mean, you know, you look look throughout the roster and you have a lot of guys who were previously undrafted free agents um, who've kind of made a name for themselves in the league. And I think that the, a lot of these other guys are going to have an opportunity to do that either in Kansas City or or elsewhere because they got a lot of talented guys in this class. Um, just just a, a really good class of players. I think uh, a lot of people ranked their undrafted free agent class highly. So uh, those are just a couple of the things. I, I know that um, a, a bunch of our contributing writers have some stuff debuting uh, this week and over the next couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, just uh, take a look, uh, chiefswire.com. You can find us there. You can find us on the Sportswire app. And, uh, and and a few other places as well. I appreciate you guys uh, reading. I just wanted to uh, take a moment before I leave to talk to you about what's going on in our country. I can't speak to what it's like to be black in America. I'm just a Jewish kid born in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I can speak from the point of being an ally. I can speak from the point of being a husband to a black woman. I can speak to the fear that I have about the world that my children will one day live in. People might tell you that right now we have a choice, but there's there's no choice. We, we have to listen to the experiences of our peers. We have to demand change so that they can live their lives happy, free of fear, anxiety, and worry. And I just, I plead with you, Chief's Kingdom, open your hearts, open your minds, and think about what you can do 
to enact meaningful change wherever you're located, Kansas City or elsewhere, because people's lives depend on it. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Wire podcast we are back and we always have the round table and this year is a little different but uh we do have talon back talon graph he is here once again leading the round table this week like i said it's a little different i'm gonna be on it this week i'm not gonna be a regular so talon's gonna show me the ropes a little bit to make sure i keep up with his style and everything that he likes to talk about in the round table discussions how we doing Ed? it's good to be back my man Definitely, man. It feels really good to be back. And, uh, you know, we're obviously missing football more than anything, but it feels good to be in an off season that the uh, the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. Don't you agree? Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, the news just broke today, I believe, today or yesterday, that all teams are going to be relegated to their home facilities. So they're not going to be in St. Joseph this year, which is kind of a downer. But, again, it's like, you know what? In the world we live in today and everything that's going on, it's like, that's okay. It, it's the right step in having football back. And if we have to make the sacrifice as fans, that we may not be able to see training camp in person, as cool as that would have been coming off of a fresh Super Bowl victory, that's okay. In, in my opinion, anyway. I know it's going to hurt some other fans in, in the city of St. Joseph in terms of, uh, you know, bringing in income and stuff like that. But it is a step in the right direction that we actually could see football this fall. I agree. And, you know, especially with everything going on with COVID-19, um, yeah, so many other like just variables in regards to how can the season start correctly? What's going to happen in training camp? We had the first big, uh, big question answered with every team being forced to work in their own local facility. It, it's sort of, it, it sounds like on the outside eye, that's not a big deal, but the Chiefs coming off a Super Bowl victory. Do you ever worry about this? Maybe throwing them off a little bit in terms of their routine? No, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, that's where they practice all year you know they're only in training camp for a few months a couple of months in St. Joe so I don't think it's going to be going to throw that big of a wrench and really if you look at the guys they've brought back they've essentially brought back like 90 percent of the guys that were you know uh, impact players last year so just having that in mind I think they're going to kind of hit the ground running and not really have to bring up bring a lot of guys up to speed as good as Tom Brady is. He's in a brand new system. He's a brand new team. He's a brand new city. A lot of guys are on new teams. You look at DeAndre Hopkins going to Arizona, stuff like that. Kansas city has all their guys back. So I think this little wrinkle is just really just a blip on the radar. And I really don't think it's going to set us back at all. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's, it it just looks like um, when you put this team together, just having all these veterans return guys, knowing the system, it should be easier. Now, you have a bunch of rookies coming in from the draft. I'm curious as to your thoughts on how the, uh, how the Chiefs handled the draft. Do you agree with the first-round selection, or you felt like they should have went another route? <laughs> I knew this question was coming. <laughs> um, you know, I, right off the get-go, my immediate reaction watching the draft live, I was disappointed. Disappointed is a strong word. I guess I was just kind of like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, I was a little disappointed in the pick. Uh, Going running back isn't wasn't all surprising. The choice of running back was surprising to me. I, I had CEH kind of down. I think I had him ranked fourth overall. I had quite a few running backs listed above him. But 
after a while, I got to thinking, who am I to really question what Andy Reid or, or Brett Veach or any of these guys do? And Patrick Mahomes was one of the first ones to come out and kind of give his, you know, applause and say he loves the pick. So if Patrick Mahomes loves it, I kind of have to love it myself. But in terms of, you know, there's a lot of RPO that they run in LSU, and, and apparently Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the best RPO running back in college football last year. And he just it seems like he's going to mesh very well with what we what the Chiefs want to do in Kansas City. So up until, you know, the jury's still out in my opinion, but hey, I think he's going to be fine. I think any running back in this system would have been fine. I, I, I really like Cam Akers. I thought he was the best fit for us with, with – what he did at Florida state with the O line that they had and the problems they had. And, and he was still able to be productive. And I thought he was great in the passing game. He's a great pass protector. Uh, he, he can stay on the field very long, but he's unfortunately playing in LA. So that doesn't matter. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think he's going to be fine. I think he'll probably prove any doubters wrong. Just the fact that he is playing with Patrick Mahomes. He is playing with that passing game that has Kelsey and Hill. Uh, and, and he has Reed who did a, Really, you look at his list of running backs, they've all been productive, all the way back to Brian Westbrook, who had a great career in Philadelphia, and then Damian Williams, who's had a resurgence in Kansas City and everywhere in between. Andy Reid's always had a productive running back, so I think he's going to be able to find that in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And uh, as you know, um, we, we were doing our own little uh, uh, mock draft in regards to who the Chiefs will take, and I had a different running back in mind. I was thinking about Swift. I, I feel like he was a uh, – more of a lethal threat out of the backfield than Edwards, taking nothing away from Edwards, just to put that out there. But I just felt like what he did in Georgia and just lining up with this offense would have been electric. Um, are you, you said you're good with the pick with the uh, running back situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm good with it. I'm not happy with it. I'm with you. I had I had flipped my RB1, and then I think Cam Akers too, and then uh, I think I had Edwards Hilaire and then Taylor right after that. So really – yeah, I'm good with it until he proves me otherwise or until he just proves to be just an absolute bust. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Okay, so that's something that we we were definitely thinking about. Uh, one of my biggest concerns when it came to the Chiefs in regards to this year's draft, I was hoping they would have addressed the cornerback situation a little earlier, you know. I saw some of the picks late, and, and I get it. You know, you want to make sure you, you address certain needs. But I felt like adding another corner – that was a little bit more established in college would have been a would have been a good um, situation for him. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that in terms of the way they shaped the defense. I, I 100% agree. Uh, I think both of us were pretty high on Damon Arnett, and he ended up going sooner than either one of us thought he would. I think he went, what, was it 19th to Oakland? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, I think cornerback should have been addressed. Uh, it did eventually. You know, Bryce Hall was kind of a, a popular name being being thrown around as, as a possible pick, and that, that never happened. And, um, yeah, I, the cornerback group of the Chiefs is, is definitely the weak link of the entire squad, in my opinion. I don't, I don't really see any big playmakers there, especially with losing Fuller to free agency. I know Ward has improved every single year he's, he's suited up, so maybe he's about to have this breakout year where he goes to a Pro Bowl and becomes that, you know, one of those premier corners in the league. Breland had a good year last year, but, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we have that one true guy uh, in the secondary other than, than Tyron Matthew, of course, that can step up and kind of be that shutdown guy and take away half the field. We don't – the Chiefs don't have that right now. Uh, and apparently, the way they drafted, they feel like they have that in the room. Whether that be Ward who steps up, Breland, 
you know, finds a second wind and, or maybe Rashad Fenton maybe hits his stride. He's only been in the league a couple years. So, you know, I like the rookies we brought in. I like Snead. I like Keys. I like those guys. I think Lavert Hill, the the undrafted rookie out of Michigan, I think he's he's a sneaky good signing. So I think we have guys. I just hope one of them can step up and be the guy. I I 100% agree with you on that. And, uh, you know, just to even piggyback what you were saying, how they feel like they have a guy already, uh, Javarius Ward has been a guy that people are saying a very is very um, – underrated Sam Madison just recently talked about him saying that he has, you know, more to, to bring to his game. So I don't know, 2020 could be his year to uh, really step out and become that number one guy that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. All fingers crossed down here, my man. Definitely. And then we have to also, you know, take a look at the defensive line. The biggest question mark, as we all know, is the Chris Jones situation. And I, you know, I have mixed feelings on this. I understand it is a money situation. These are negotiations. What do you think is going to happen with Jones? Will they be able to work out a contract? It all depends on, on, on getting Mahomes signed first. I think Chris Jones, as good as he is and as valuable as he is to that defense and the organization as a whole, he, he's an afterthought. He's on the back burner right now until we get Mahomes signed to a long-term deal, which is priority number one, and it should be, rightfully so. I don't really – I'm not really sure how we approach the Chris Jones situation until we find out the financial background and, and how we're going to handle Mahomes. Once we give the money that Mahomes is allotted, then we can focus on Jones. Can we work out a deal? Is it worth it? Should we trade him? Is it more valuable to tag and trade? You know, what do we do? Will Jones even play on a tag? You know, he, he said that he's not interested in that. Um, so, for me, I think right now is sign Mahomes – and then we'll handle Jones. If it, I, I would love to see number 95 in that glorious red helmet for the next decade. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. There's been a lot of great defenders, a lot of great offensive players come through Kansas City that we just couldn't keep. Uh, if Jones becomes the next on that list, it is what it is, and we'll find a replacement. I think when you look at it, obviously there are certain guys that are just irreplaceable. And it goes without saying Patrick Mahomes is irreplaceable. And as, Chris, as good as Chris Jones is, I don't see him as that irreplaceable guy. He is so good at what he does, but we could find someone probably maybe not as good because Chris Jones is one of the best in the league, but we can find someone to do what he does. Okay. That's definitely a, uh, a good way to look at a very optimistic way to look at the whole situation. You know, I just keep thinking about the whole Justin Houston deal and the reason why we weren't able to hang on to him. And then he goes to the Colts and plays very well. This could be something that, can come back to haunt Kansas City down the line because you do always need a consistent defensive line, putting pressure on the quarterback, making the plays really when you need them. And, and that, that was a big deal in the Super Bowl this year. So I, I understand where Chris Jones is coming from, but then I do get having to pay Mahomes. And, you know, since we're on the topic of Mahomes, what is the limit in regards to paying this guy? Because he's going to change the way everyone gets paid, which whatever contract he takes – because it, it really isn't any, um, I can say, like a, uh, a definite amount that he is worth. Like, what do you think is the, the price range here for Mahomes? <laughs> you know, I, I've never been a money guy. I've never been a numbers guy. So I'm not, I'm not too good on, on giving my opinion on what guys are worth and stuff like that. But I will say this with Mahomes, I'm not sure. I, I think he's priceless. I, as long as he's a chief, I think 
I think the Chiefs will go to the playoffs. I think they'll be a successful team. I think they'll always compete for the AFC West. I know you have to build around certain players, and you, you have to have weapons. And, and obviously, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, uh, uh, recently, McCole Hardman, that running game, they've made Mahomes obviously better than what he would be without them. But having said that, without Mahomes, those other guys are kind of pointless. So I think the it kind of goes hand in hand, but without Mahomes, everything falls apart. So I think you you can't let a guy like that walk away. And in the in the way Mahomes has carried himself so far, I don't feel like he's gonna demand that much. He's going to get it because he's earned it, but I don't think he's gonna he's gonna force us to really break the bank. He's going to be the highest paid quarterback in history. I, I think that's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be this astronomical figure that everybody's kind of scared to talk about. And I did see that recently he's going to have the first contract ever linked to salary cap. So I don't know if that's going to be like a percentage base and every year the salary cap goes up, his salary goes up, which is kind of an interesting way to look at it. Um, but either way, to answer your question, I don't think there is a price you can put on him because I I just think he's so invaluable to this organization. I definitely agree. I don't think there's one person in the world that doesn't agree that Patrick Mahomes is the most valuable person to this franchise and possibly just the entire league. If you, if you put it in perspective right there, uh, looking at the regular season, you know, they already got the schedule out, which is subject to change. Besides the obvious Baltimore Ravens matchup, what other matchup sticks out to you um, looking at this, looking at the schedule right now? Well, obviously that season opener against Texans, that's going to be a big one. You know, we played them twice last year, beat them when it beat them when it mattered. Um, but other than that, I know we have a big matchup. Uh, you know, every AFC West matchup, regardless of how talented those teams are, they're always going to be big. They're always going to be important with the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos. That's always going to be uh, important. I'm, I'm kind of, it's, it sounds weird, but I'm kind of, looking forward to playing the Patriots without Tom Brady just to see what that looks like. Um, Cause it's never really, I, it's been 20 years. I, I, you know, I can't remember not seeing Tom Brady playing for the Patriots. I vaguely remember, you know, Drew Bledsoe, but you know, that <laughs> was, that was 10 years old back then. But, um, but no, I think the Buffalo Bills matchup in, in mid October is going to be a very, very big one. And then obviously we got the Buccaneers, you know, we do face Tom Brady. I think that's going to be a big matchup in the Saints. That, 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 that last little bit of the, the schedule with the Saints, the Falcons, and we end with the Chargers, um, I, that, that's rough. But I would say the biggest matchups would be the Bills. Uh, that, that'll be a fun one. And then if I had to just pick one more, it, it has to be the Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And, you know, obviously looking at the, the way they have the schedule set up and a lot more uh, – even though I can say probably the, the same amount of evening games that they had uh, last season so that the Chiefs are seen in prime time getting the national exposure. When you look at the wide receiver core, and, and I always have to go back to this because it was a huge question mark about Sammy Watkins. Would he be re-signed? How would they work that out? Is, is, this, is this the year that McCole Hardman becomes more than a special teams player? Which one do you see becoming a bigger deal? Will Sammy Watkins maintain his role as the number two wideout or is McCole Hardman the guy right now? I, I think it's going to be Hardman's job to lose eventually. Uh, if, if Watkins was a, <laughs> a bigger part of the plans, I think they would have extended him longer than just one year. Uh, I think they, you know, Hardman's not ready to step into that role quite yet, but he will be maybe after 2020. And if not, well, he's going to have to, because I don't think we're going to bring back Sammy Watkins. I think this is going to be his last go around with, with the Chiefs. 
he'll land somewhere else after this season. You could probably say the same about Demarcus Robinson. But yeah, I think this is going to be a Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman kind of, kind of, kind of an offense moving forward. As good as Sammy Watkins has been for us, we, we did overpay for him for a long time. Demarcus Robinson never seemed to really hit that potential we that everybody saw on him and wished he would meet he's been good he's stepped up in certain games but he's just been so inconsistent um so I think McCole Hardman moving forward is the true future and he, he and Tyree Kill man I talk about blazing speed and he's and McCole Hardman is just going to get better and better and Sammy Watkins is probably going to be on his way out yeah I think a lot of people see that I, I was personally very surprised that Watkins was brought back I, I figured that this would be it for him and that Hardman would immediately be the number two guy. But, uh, you know, things worked out. Uh, Beach got it done. You know, that seems to be the theme about just bringing everyone back. So they have that going for them. Obviously, at tight end, it's pretty um, set with Travis Kelsey. My biggest question with him is, is there enough, like, help behind him, considering all the injuries and stuff that he deals with throughout the season? Should the Chiefs have, you know, addressed getting a – uh, another backup or another guy that can make plays? You know, tight end was kind of a, a popular popular pick in certain mock drafts around the league for the Chiefs. Um, I actually had him mocking a tight end, I believe, but it didn't end up happening. I really do like Ricky Seals-Jones. I think he's going to provide something for us. I think he's going to be a great backup. Um, Deion Yeller has stepped in. He's been okay. With with Travis Kelsey out, if he does get injured, if he if there are certain games he's not able to go, you know, one hundred percent, that's obviously going to hurt. Um, but you know, that's why you go out and draft a guy like Edwards Hilaire because then you got a tandem with Williams and Hilaire, and it, even after that with Darwin Thompson, you got that running game you can lean on if you don't really have that safety blanket in Travis Kelsey. You don't have to lean so much on Yelder and Seals Jones. Now you can lean more on the running game to open that up, and then you got you know Watkins and and uh, and Hill. And, and Hardman to, to use in the play action game. And I think maybe that was why they wanted to bring back Watkins so much was because they don't have that second string tight end to really lean on if Kelsey isn't going. So it just gives another, you know, you look at Kelsey and he's obviously, he's great for this offense and he's, he's a big, t- big time player. But if he is out of the equation, just look around the field and, and, and pick your poison. Who's going to step up when he's out? There, there's a lot of guys that could. I could definitely agree with that. And it does make sense why you bring back Watkins, why you have reliable options just in case. It kind of covers for not having um, – there's, there's no replacing Travis Kelsey, but you are helping yourself offensively with making those adjustments. Now, speaking of adjustments, one of the biggest things during the offseason um, surrounded Patrick Mahomes saying that he could take his game to another level. And the next level that he's been bringing up is being like a Tom Brady type, calling things at the line and uh, just taking more control of the offense because everything is technically run through Andy Reid. What do you think you'll see differently with Mahomes and Reid working together for another year? And they've been pretty honest about having Mahomes learn more so that he could kind of take things over at the line. I think the biggest thing is going to be trust. You know, he's been in the league for – this will be his fourth year, his third year starting. Uh, He's already won an MVP. He's already won a Super Bowl trophy. He's already won a Super Bowl MVP, regardless of if you think he's deserving that or not. He, he, he won it. He has that to his name now. So when you look at it, I think it's going to be just that trust that Andy Reid and, and uh, uh, Eric Bieniemy have in him to, to 
to be able to call audibles, to be able to call his own shots, to be able to to see what he sees at the line of scrimmage and kind of make changes. And now that he's in his third year as a starter, he, he's kind of, you know, he definitely hasn't seen it all. I don't think you ever seen it all in this game. But he's experienced so much in his short time as a starter. I think that trust is just going to innately be there. And with Mahomes, the, the confidence just oozes from him. And, and, and he has, there's no reason for him not to ooze confidence. So I think the biggest thing, you know, just to reiterate my point, is that trust that Reed and the offensive coaching staff sees and has in Mahomes to kind of take things on his own and, and handle things as he sees fit. And, you know, the, the funny part about that, hearing Mahomes talk about taking his game to another level, how scary is that for the rest of the NFL if he feels like there's still another step that he needs to go in his development? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, it, they should be scared. I would be scared if I wasn't a Chiefs fan or if I was on any of the other 31 NFL teams. I mean, when you watch the Super Bowl, he I just watched it for the first time again just a few weeks ago. Mahomes was not that impressive early on. Like he he struggled a little bit. He he wasn't the Mahomes that we were used to seeing week in and week out. He you know, he had a he he didn't have the most accurate passes at all times and you know, when you look at that and then you see how we finished the game and it's it's like yeah, there is room to grow for Mahomes. He can be better. And that is scary. The, the, the fact that it's not only how good he has been, it's certain games you watch him and you think, yeah, man, he, he's struggling a little bit. So you know there is actually room to grow. It's one thing for players to say that. You know, of course, everybody thinks, you know, they could take over the league. There's another level. But when Mahomes says it, there's almost this feeling of, dang, he, he's right. Like, he could be better. What if he actually gets there? And I think he will be. I think he will get better. The kid's, what, 25 years old? Yeah. The kid has yeah. nowhere to go but up, which is scary to think about. As good as he is, <laughs> there's really – he can only improve, which is just it, – it, it's scary for me and, and probably even scary for you to think about because even though we are fans, it's scary to think how good can this guy be. So, you know, I, I, you know with the, the last dance and the docuseries on Michael Jordan and all that, you know, you, you have to think to yourself, does Kansas City – do the Chiefs, do they have the, the Michael Jordan of the NFL now? Like, do they have this this guy that just has that it factor where no matter what stadium he's in, no matter what game he's in, if he if he finds that level, if he finds that zone, he's just unbeatable. And I think we might have it in Patrick Mahomes. It's funny that you bring up the whole Michael Jordan in the last dance. Uh, Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football and the NFL Network, he made the comparison as well. And I, you know, I kind of dissected it a little bit and, and wrote an article about it for, uh, for Chiefs Wire, just kind of, you know, make the comparisons, which game I can see, you know, back and forth. And it is definitely a very accurate comparison, you know, so early in his career. It's going to be interesting to see moving forward how Mahomes, you know, develops. My biggest fear, and I don't want to put the, you know, I don't want to jinx anything. You know the fear we had last year when he went down. You, got, you want to hope that you keep this guy healthy because I think that's really the only thing you have to worry about in terms of his development is just making sure that he's healthy and he's on the field because the guy wants to learn, he wants to win, he loves to compete. You saw that in the comeback against the 49ers. It, it just, he just got to keep the guy healthy. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that is the biggest thing because you know, when you look at that season, the, the Patriots lost Tom Brady and Matt Castle stepped in, which led to – you know, obviously the Chiefs signing him, which I don't, I don't even want to get into that. But um, <laughs> obviously the Patriots are, 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 are a team. 
that was evident that season. They, they've won without Tom Brady. We don't really know. I mean, we saw it with Matt Moore, and they stepped up big. They almost beat a very good Packers team without Patrick Mahomes. They, they you know, Mahomes went down early without – I'm sorry, he went down early in the Broncos game, and we, you know, the Chiefs ended up winning that game pretty handedly without Mahomes for most of it. So, we, we saw a small little glimpse of what life could be if Mahomes does go down. Uh, Matt Moore's no longer with the team. Chad Henney's the main backup. Then we, you know, we brought in Jordan. Uh, I'm going to butcher the the pronunciation, but Tiamu. I'm I'm sorry. I know I butchered that, it's but a, it's I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I, I believe I believe he played college football at Arizona yes. uh, or Mississippi. I believe Mississippi. Mississippi. Mississippi, Mississippi yeah. Ball, yeah. I, I knew it was a blue and red team. I get, but yeah. Um, <laughs> played in know. the XFL. That's that's kind yes. of the most recent thing. Yeah, most recently he he showed some strides in the XFL. And then we brought in Shea Patterson, which. Not a fan of, but anyway, um, <laughs> okay. I, I do think that we've seen life without Mahomes. I think we do have a good enough team where we can win without Mahomes, but I, I just hope we don't have to see what it, what it's like to have Mahomes. With, I don't want to see what it's like to go without Mahomes for a long period of time. We Would we miss two games last year without him, maybe three? Yeah, about two and a half if you count leaving uh, that Denver game. So it's about two and a half games. Right. So I, anything longer than that, I think I think you really have to start panicking. So if, if we lose them for like a season or something, knock on the hardest wood you find, I think then you you, you need to panic. But without Mahomes being in the starting lineup, I think we have a good enough roster to, to win without him. But I don't think we have a good enough roster to, to win the playoffs or, or, or go for a Super Bowl ring without him. I think he is the glue that holds everything together. And, yeah, without him, this team is, it is different, but it's still a winning team. Okay, now I know it's really early. We haven't even started training camp. You know, there's still some, you know, uncertainties about what they could do because of this whole virtual offseason. What is the Chiefs' regular season record at the end of everything? At the end of week 17, what is the record as of right I, now? <laughs> it's <laughs> yes, a real early guess. Yeah, we got a long way to go. But I think the ceiling is probably 14-2 and two with, with the floor being 11-5. and five. You know, I think you look at the toughest matchups. Yeah, Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers is a shiny new thing. I, they're still a very beatable team. Tom Brady's 40. Rob Gronkowski just spent a year out of football. It's still the Buccaneers. They have a decent defense. I, I don't think that's going to be as challenging. It, it should be a fun game just because of who's involved. But I don't think that's going to be that big of a game. But, I, you know, you look at the Saints. You look at – yeah. You look at the Bills, you look at the Ravens, you, you know, we have a tough schedule. We have, a, you know, quite a few teams from the playoffs last year that, that, that we have to face this year. I don't see any of them that we necessarily cannot beat. So I think, again, nobody's going to go undefeated in the NFL. I just don't see that happening in today's NFL. It's just it's too competitive. It's, there's too many X factors. There's too many variables. So I think the ceiling being 14-2 and two, floor 11 and five that's obviously with everybody staying healthy you know i agree with you with the floor i actually had them at 13 and three as the ceiling i, I still feel like there's some tough games that, that you have to get and afc west did get a lot better in regards to i think the raiders will be better and i do think the broncos uh you saw what they did in that draft they added a lot of offensive firepower i could see them making some noise in terms of just at least some close games but uh, the uh, the Chiefs are still the class of the AFC West. 
I have them at thirteen and three as their ceiling. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I you know not much of an argument there. I think you know thirteen three fourteen fourteen and two is obviously a great record, but so is thirteen and three. You know, you, kind of splitting hairs when we get down to it. And and to kind of go off what you said about the Denver Broncos, I completely agree with you. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, their past few drafts they've nailed, uh, and that just that just breeds success. And with that young guy and Drew Locke, he seems like this hungry guy that just wants to be successful. And they have they've they've built a lot of good players around him, good young players. Whether they take that stride in 2020, probably not. They're gonna. This is gonna be a growing period. I could see them going seven and nine, maybe eight and eight, maybe even nine and seven with a winning record. But you know, they still have a lot of growing to do in Denver. Uh, when you look at the Raiders, yes, they're gonna be better. They definitely are gonna be better. Everybody's gonna be excited about them playing in Vegas and that new stadium. And but they still have Derek Carr. And and I, as big of a fan as I am of Derek Carr, I just don't he's been in the league long enough. I just don't think he has that X factor to where I don't, I don't think he's the guy that can carry a franchise and, and make them elite. I just don't think they have that in Derek Carr. And, and then you look at the Chargers; they're definitely going to be in a rebuilding. They lost their leading rusher. They lost Phillip rivers. Who's been their guy for the left, you know, since 2004, their defense is still going to be very stingy. Their defense is going to be good. They're going to cost some fits. Uh, so Yes, the AFC West is going to cause us some problems. I do think we're going to have a game with Denver, and I do think we're going to have a game with with, uh, the Chargers. I think those other six – I'm sorry, those other four, uh, I think they're probably going to be below us. But I do think we have one game against Denver that comes down to the wire and one game against the Chargers that comes down to the wire. The other four I think we probably handle pretty well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's it's going to be an interesting um, battle. But once again, we're, we're we're making this guess in the first week of June, which is fun. <laughs> you know, it's fun because you can do this in the first week of June because it, it's everyone is a, a clean slate. No one's going to training camp, no injuries. You can just kind of throw out your guesses right now. But it's 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 always fun. And uh, Talon, it was definitely fun, you know, having this conversation with you, being a part of the, uh, the roundtable discussion for the first time. And, uh, you know, next week we're going to see who you got, man, because it's uh, – this is game time. We're back in it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and, and the best part about making predictions in early June is if we're wrong, we can say it was early June. You know, you can't be right in early June. But if you're right, you said, I knew that back four months ago. So either, <laughs> either way, it's a win-win. So really, it's, it's, you're exactly right. It's great making predictions in early June. Exactly, man. So we're definitely going to see what happens by the time we're in February, you know, so the world will be very different because it's already very different now. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely see what happens. Talent, as always, man, until next week. Hey, I appreciate you, buddy. You have a good one. All right. Stay safe. You too. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.